turn in your Bibles to another place that we find the Lord's Prayer. We see it in Luke 11. Today, let's look at uh, Matthew 6's version of that. Matthew 6, verse uh, 9, and that's found on page 1380, 1380. Luke chapter, or Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. And this comes in a paragraph that's all about prayer and what prayer is like and how we shouldn't be those who are hypocrites in our prayer. And then, once again, Jesus just offers this simple Lord's Prayer that we love. And we read these words. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Beloved in Christ, last week we talked about the hefty request that Jesus teaches us to ask from his Father when we pray. Your kingdom come. He taught us to pray that. We're asking God to bring on his kingdom. That is to to bring on the heavenly rule of grace and fairness and shalom that he teaches us about in his word. And we said that that heavenly rule broke in in a massive way, when Jesus walked this earth, became one of us, and died for our sins and rose again from the dead. And we said that ever since, God is slowly but surely bringing his heavenly rule to bear on this earth. That he's doing it. He's answering our hefty request that Jesus taught us to ask him to do it. He is, is he doing that? We said, ask that question. We said, yes, he is. He is bringing on his kingdom. How? We said, like the catechism teaches, that one, he's ruling us by his word and spirit. Two, he's strengthening and adding to his church. And three, he's destroying the devil's work in this world. God is doing all those things to bring on his kingdom. Your kingdom come, we're praying. And yes, God is answering. This week, if you remember, we said we would turn it around and ask ourselves a question. How do we get involved in God's answer? Are we a part of God's answer or not? Are you? Am I? We each need to ask ourselves that question. Am I and how can I be more and more a part of God's answer to bring on that kingdom, his kingdom? How can I get involved in that? I hope you'll ask that question of yourselves today repeatedly during the message. It's a vital question that we need to wrestle with, a vital question. So let's ask it related to those three ways that God is answering our request. If God is ruling by his word and spirit, I must be submitting to the Lord through his word and spirit. How do we do that? Submit to him through word and spirit. Psalm 119, verse 105, 
says, your word, Lord, is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. You want to be a part of God's answer of bringing on his kingdom, your kingdom come, shine the light of God's word on the path your feet are walking on. If you're not on the right path, the word of God will convict you to change paths. It's as simple as that. And once you are on the right path, the light of God's word will keep you from stumbling off of it. But the word has to shine there. And to shine there, you got to read the word. You've got to submit to the Lord in his word. And you also submit to his Holy Spirit. We are a part of God's kingdom his kingdom come answer. We're a part of that. When the Spirit of God more and more has a hold of us and is speaking to us, telling us how to live. You think the Holy Spirit does that today? Tells us how to live? That's a tough one, isn't it? I read a devotional this week, maybe you did too, called the Today. And one of the passages to read this week was from Acts 13, where the leaders in the church in Antioch were worshiping the Lord and they were fasting. And lo and behold, we read this there at Acts 13. While they were worshiping and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, said, Holy Spirit said. Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So the leaders in the church placed their hands on them, sent them off. The two of them were sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. Are you kidding me? The Holy Spirit spoke to that group of believers. I, I don't know if it was out loud or if it was in their hearts or just a nudge in their minds, but the Holy Spirit spoke. And these leaders, and Barnabas and Saul, that's the Apostle Paul, by the way, they listened, they submitted to the Holy Spirit, his leading. Now, we in the Christian Reformed Church, for many of us in this tradition, this denomination, this sort of thing, let's just say it doesn't come as easily as it looks like it did in Acts chapter 13. And maybe it doesn't come as easily as our brothers and sisters who experience it in the Pentecostal denominations. Many, not all, but many in the Christian Reformed Church are a little shy when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Well, we've, we've embraced the mystery of the, the, the third person of the Trinity. We believe that, the Holy Spirit's third person of the Trinity. But people in our Reformed tradition, you and I, many of us, have always been a little uncomfortable saying things like, the Holy Spirit told me so. That's more descriptive of Christians in the Pentecostal tradition, and that's okay. Both traditions are valued. But still, it's no less true, even though we're a little shyer, the Holy Spirit is alive and well in the Christian Reformed Church, and he speaks and he nudges and he guides and he directs and he influences, which means we need to be on the lookout for him. We need to pray that the Spirit's nudging would not go unnoticed by us. Why? Listen in to Psalm 143, verse 10. David says, King David, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good Spirit lead me on level ground. 
The Spirit leads us to level ground, to straight paths, to living that honors God. The Spirit does do that. We can pray for that. King David prayed for that, that the Spirit would lead him on level ground. David prayed for that, and David, well, you know, David, if you were going to try to classify him, you'd probably put him in the Christian Reform camp, wouldn't you? Except maybe when he was caught outside dancing before the Lord. But God will answer that prayer. God gives his Holy Spirit to those who ask. The Israelites didn't even ask, and they got the Holy Spirit. Nehemiah 9 verse 20 tells what God did for Israel on their journey. It says, you, God, gave your good spirit to instruct them. God answers that prayer. And for us to be part of the answer, we need to submit to the Lord by reading his word and by listening to his Holy Spirit. This past week, we laid to rest Pastor Ken Havert, wonderful servant of Christ, as many of you know, shepherd of this church for a number of years, 60 years of active ministry in the Word of God. And his son, Kevin, shared with me, and Ken had in the past as well, that when asked when he was four years old by his kindergarten teacher, boys and girls, what do you want to be when you grow up? Ken Havert's turn came without hesitation, without reluctance or resistance. Little Kenny Havert, four years old, and undoubtedly, surely, under the Holy Spirit's nudging, blurted it out. Of course, he blurted it out, nice and loud. I want to be a preacher. He never wavered in answering that call in his life given to him by the Holy Spirit of God. How do we participate with God in his answer to the Your Kingdom Come prayer request? We participate by submitting to God as we read God's word and as we listen to his Holy Spirit. We read the very word of God. We listen to the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. And who knows? Who knows? Maybe some child here today or a young person or an adult may receive that same nudge. I want to be a preacher. And of course, that's just one direction the Holy Spirit may move someone. He moves us into his kingdom work in so many other ways too. All valid and good when we submit ourselves to God's word and spirit. Second, if we're to be a part of the answer, and if God's answer involves strengthening his church and adding to it, we must strengthen the church too. How do we do that? Two ways. First of all, witness. You see it up there. First of all, witness. So oh, that word witness. Yikes. Be witnesses for Christ. You know, each one of us has witnessed what God has done firsthand in our own lives. And so we become witnesses of that, first of all. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. If God is building his church as his answer to your kingdom come prayers, then to be a part of that answer, we need to be factors in his multiplication program. That is, we need to witness. We need to speak up for God, for Christ. As a congregation, many of us committed a gospel summary, a seven-part summary of the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection. We committed it to memory. We learned it. 
so that we would have it or parts of it at the ready when called upon to share it. When we have membership class for those who want to profess their faith, we have them write out their testimonies of what God has done for them. They write it out so that they are ready when asked to read it and recall it to tell others about it. This is what I believe about Jesus. This is what I believe God has done for me. He sent Jesus to die for my sin, to rise again for my everlasting life. This is how I follow God in my life. This is what is so important to me. God has a hold of my life. And we write those testimonies so they become part of us, so that they flow from our hearts to that paper and then flow from our lips. And every time someone already in the church hears that gospel summary or reads or hears a testimony, the church is strengthened. For someone has borne witness to Jesus. And when someone hears or reads it outside of the church, who knows, who knows? That witness God can use to add to the church what he is about the business of doing. That's witness. We also strengthen the church by serving. Ephesians 4, 16. From Christ, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Of all the things to find out, church's work. It's not a country club membership. It's a work membership. Church is about work, or as we say, church is about service, about serving others. How are you serving in the church? How are you serving your brothers and sisters? Last week, we got to hear from the mission team that went down to South Carolina to serve out of love. They were the servants of this church going out there to serve. And that strengthens this body of believers, all of us. When service happens, no matter what it is. Now, mission trip is always celebrated, right? Because it's a big act of service. But the little things, too, when the church sees them and receives that service, she is strengthened. Maybe you do one small, tiny thing for this church, and you think, well, no one notices. Why do I even bother? You know what? One of the reasons for continuing to do it is because you are strengthening the very body of Jesus Christ by your service, no matter how large or how small. Third, if we're to be part of God's your kingdom come answer, and if God's answer involves destroying the devil's work, we become a part of that work by subduing evil. And we do that in two ways. How do we subdue evil? Number one, we whoop the sin in our lives. Give sin a good whooping. You whoop sin any way you can. You run from it. Fight against it. Speak against it. Work to get rid of it. Any place on the planet that is tarnished by evil and sin, including your own heart. You work to polish it, 
with the redemptive grace of God at our jobs, in our homes, at school. Kids, school is starting. It's coming. There's going to come a day this year when you see one classmate of yours picking on another classmate of yours. That's a sin. Your job is to stick up for that classmate getting picked on. Your job is to put an end to that meanness. Your job is to say to the one doing the mean thing, don't do that anymore. It's not a kind thing to do. Stop it. You whoop that sin. Not the sinner. You whoop the sin. Just the sin. But that's not just at school. <clears throat> that's all over. As Reformed Christians, we work to bring Christ's redemptive grace into every single place on this planet. We work to whoop sin where it stands. And secondly, to subdue evil, we need to spread love. Spread love wherever and whenever you can. Jesus said in John 13, verse 34, a new command, I give you, love one another. As I've loved you, love one another. Spread the love around. That's how we join in God, destroying the devil's work. Show love and act and speak in love. That's something we all get to do now because God has filled us with love. Jesus died on the cross for our sins so he could fill us with his love and that becomes the new way we treat others. With love. What a privilege to join God in destroying the devil's work and to do it by simply spreading God's love. We can all, you see, be a part of God's answer to your kingdom come. Are you? Will you be? I hope you asked yourself that a lot during this message. Am I a part of this? If not, when will I become a part of God's answer? You see how that's written up there. There's a blank line, isn't there? Sign that? Will you sign that? Am I a part of it or not? Your participation is vital. Vital. Speaking of vital, we have to realize that when it gets right down to it, we can do none of this. We don't have the strength, do we? God answers the prayer, and by his grace, because of Christ at the cross, what he did for us, we become part of the answer. Still, we only do this in his strength and his alone. And even then, we can easily get tired and beaten down and cynical and discouraged. So God says to us, your participation in this is so vital. So I'm giving you a vital meal. Strengthen you for your vital participation. A vital meal is what you need. Eat and drink by faith the body and blood of my son, Jesus Christ. Let him fill you with his own vitality for your participation in bringing on my kingdom. That's what gift 
God gives us for this as he invites us to this vital meal. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we're so thankful, so thankful that you are bringing on your kingdom. So thankful for Jesus Christ, our Savior, that he, he brought on the kingdom in a huge way when he came to this earth. And now you continue to bring on that kingdom more and more until one day you are all in all. We look forward to that day, but until then, we pray that we would be a part of this answer of your kingdom come, that we would be a part of it, that we would take that seriously, that we would sign on the dotted line or the straight line, whatever it is, that we would say, yes, we're a part of it. We want to be a part of it. We will be a part of it right now. We know that we are vital participants in the vital thing you are doing, bringing on your kingdom. So feed us now. Feed us with this vital meal. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.